Let Me Ask You is a podcast for adults. This episode contains explicit sexual conversations. Special thanks to our guest Kim Aris for the discount code ASKYA to use at her website grandopening.com to get $10 off your purchase of $50 or more. We hope you enjoy this episode because we sure did. Welcome back. Welcome. So let me ask you. The podcast. The, the podcast. podcast. That's, that's that's the part where you come in. Not the, the I said I was going to do the intro. I don't care. So you come in at the I, podcast. I, you know what? How many times have we done this? <laughs> I don't know. This is episode 13 at this point. Like, come on, man. Get it together. Dude, I think it's about time for us to retire for real. Thank you for joining us. If you're a return listener, your patronage is very, very, it's just, it means the world to me. It means the world to Jake, probably. I don't know what he thinks. <laughs> yeah, it does mean the world to me. We're back for another episode. If this is your first time, um, congratulations. You stumbled across the number one podcast in the world. Literally. Look us up. Literally. We're the number one result on Google. <laughs> when yeah, you type it, like, Google, actually. Let me ask you. It doesn't it send you anywhere. Up. It won't help you with any more information, but it'll tell yeah. you what we are. <laughs> Speaking of not helping with information, Jake and I are not experts. No. If you come for us in the comments or in the courtroom... We'll be there to defend ourselves. We will not have lawyers. We'll look nice. We have nice yeah, clothes. We do. Contrary to all of our video recordings and t-shirts and hoodies, we have nice clothes, so we'll be there to defend ourselves, but we are not experts. Do not come for us. Or do if you... I mean, I like to argue. Jake's not really a good argument. I'll Google well. legal jargon. I don't care yeah. if it makes sense. I'll object to everything you say. I'll just delay the proceedings. <laughs> we are not joined today by Raid Shadow Legends. Because our would-be sponsor. No. They refuse to get back to our emails, so... We actually have emailed them, too. Maybe one day we'll have a sponsor, which is Raid Shadow Legends. Maybe we'll never be sponsored at all. It's going to be Raid Shadow Legends or nothing at this point. We are joined today by an ex-Harvard administrator who worked under Larry Summers, who was the president of Harvard and the secretary of the U.S. Treasury under the Obama administration, an entrepreneur with 30 years in the sex toy business, Kim Harris. That would be me. Yay. Here, let's hear it with applause. Ooh, yay. yay. Oh, wait. Oh, I have a hoodie. Whatever. <laughs> okay, dude. Kim, thanks for being here. Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit. Thanks. I'm Kim Ayers, A-I-R-S, on all social media. Thank God there's only one of me. And yeah, basically, the title of the book is going to be the story of my life. I left my job at Harvard to sell rubber dicks to girls. Yep. I, um... Got kind of all turned on to the sex toy world in 87, a long time ago. And it was in the Boston area, like with Harvard going on there. And uh, there just wasn't a nice place to go buy sex toys. So I got kind of sick and tired of being that one that would bring my friends to the like crappy areas of town to go buy stuff. And so I decided to leave my job at Harvard to sell rubber dicks to girls. And so I opened my store in November 93, and the name of the store is called Grand Opening. Is that a euphemism? Yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. So people could say it in public. That was actually, you know, coming up with the name. There's so many double entendres in this business. Uh, Was It wasn't a challenge. Like, I kind of had obsessed about it. And it's a whole long story of like, what was that light bulb moment and things. And, uh, and I thought if I obsess about it, it's not going to come to me. So the name came to me when I was 
sitting watching traffic going by, which is what you do when you grow up on Route 9 in Bayville, New Jersey. And I was with a friend of my brother's and he was like 12 years older than me and I was probably 10. And there was a wedding procession that went by and he goes, oh, another grand opening. So when that came to me, I'm like, oh my God, that's the name of the store. So that again, that was before I opened and everything, uh, well before, uh, actually really before, because it was kind of, I've never been pregnant. I was probably finding out like when you're pregnant, you start thinking all this stuff, same thing. So I opened in 93 with the name Grand Opening and uh, I'd have signs out and people were like, you still have your signs up. I'm like, that's the name of the store. Then they'd be like, oh. So that's where it all started. That's where it started. So I had the store for 12 years as a brick and mortar store, and I sold it in December 05. Well, let's go back in the time machine a little bit to 1995 when there was this little thing that started called the internet. Hmm. And I'm like, gosh, I better get grandopening.com. So I got grandopening.com. And after I sold my store, it became an affiliate site. So now it has like 30,000, probably 40,000 products on it. Way more than I could have stocked in my store. And so it's all confidential and everything. I Even I don't know who buys things. So it's that confidential. And I own the site and the affiliate of it. You know. How do you manage 40,000 different products? I let somebody else do it. See, that's, that's, where, that's where we're messing up, Clay. That's it. That's, that's the affiliate site thing. And so it's really great because it's all the major distributors that feed into it. So it's whatever they carry. And a, a distributor tends to carry about thirty to 35,000 products. That's the major distributors. There's like four of them in the U.S. for adult products. And that also includes lingerie and um yeah, it's it's that many. I mean, it's pretty, it'll make your head spin how much stuff is out there um, in the sex toy world. So that way, you know, you can pretty much find everything on the grandopening.com website. And I'm really excited about it because I don't have to worry about packing peanuts and cardboard boxes and only selling what I have in stock and things like that. So it's worked out really, really well. And then selling the store gave me a tremendous amount of freedom because I didn't feel tied to a geographic area or having to pay attention to the store. So what I do now is I still work in the industry. I do consulting. I do a lot of writing in the industry. There's two trade journals. One's called xbiz, xbiz.com. And the other is AVN, Adult Video News, which is the one that's been around for like 40 something years. I think about at least that. Um, they're the ones that put on the big porn show in January at, uh, in Las Vegas. That's known worldwide. So they do that show. So I do all the pleasure product reviews for them. It's uh, And then in XBiz, if you go to XBiz.com and look up pleasure products, uh, I do a majority of the reviews on that as well, which is great fun. And then I also do a lot of other writing too. So that's how I keep busy and keep things going. And I do cons... I have on my business card, writer, podcaster, I have a podcast, sex chat with Kim Ayers. And then it says, I made an intentional typo on it. It says, consultant, <laughs> instead of consultant. Oh, that's who I weed out the people I want to work with. If they have a problem with that, that's your problem. I don't want to work with you because it's not how I roll. So that I, I work with a lot of doctors and sex therapists because they are clueless about what adult toys are out there that can help with very many medical conditions. That's something I really like doing. I work 
I work one-on-one with people. I am not a therapist, nor do I pretend to be, but I know my shit, let me tell you. So that's uh, 30 years, you know, I've done sex work. I work actually as a professional dominatrix also, which is, it's, all of it is so interesting. I'm so passionate and crazy about the whole sex thing. I was going to ask, like, did you, you said like sex workers. So did you ever engage in like prostitution or anything? Or is it all legal forms of doing this? Um, no, illegal. Okay. You know, while I was working at Harvard. <laughs> while you were working at Harvard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, you know. Hey, Just outside you know, the fucking administration's it, it office. It a lot better. <laughs> like, hey, when we're, we're down here, go sign up. <laughs> According to an article about you on Daily Mail, when you were working at Harvard, there was a DJ. And his oh, yeah. nickname? Yeah. Okay. So were you always into a sex positive lifestyle or did that come later? So to speak, another double entendre. No, I came before (laughs) it. Um, (laughs) Because, yeah, well, actually, you know, I do a lot of training at stores and everything. And I, I will get back to that answer in a moment. So when I talk to salespeople, there's this kind of assumption with a lot of customers that if you're working at a sex toy store, that you want to have sex with them. Do they not? And and I actually have a really big boundary around that is I don't have sex with customers, you know, like from my store or anything. You know why? Because the customer always comes first. <laughs> yeah, I think we should just wrap this up. You should become a comedian. I know, I know. I told my dad that one. He's like, that's a good one, Kim. Thanks, thanks. So let's see, where were we? Oh, yeah. No, so I always had interest in sex. I was actually married seven and a half years um, in my 20s. And he was really kind of like non-adventurous. Some people might call it normal. And me, I mean, I was screwing around by the time before my first wedding anniversary because that was not that was not going to interfere with my marriage. Because and this is a whole thing. This this translates a lot now around polyamory because a lot of people know that term and are familiar with it. And so there's all kind of um, communication is key. Uh, So if you're going to do something like that and you want a relationship with somebody let them know that this is your belief system because it wasn't necessarily his yet. I never would make that part of it um, interfere with our relationship as married. I I could argue that um, vanilla sex, while not like a fetish, it could just be the one thing like gets people off. Right. For sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like maybe some people just don't like being in adventures, but like, so did you find it so like you couldn't be a partner that like, wasn't, was he not willing to be adventurous with you or like, he was totally not willing to be adventurous. Like I mentioned a three way and he's like, compromise is important. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well that, well, I, okay. So that's actually, (laughs) that's actually really interesting. You said no to a three way. Do you think that, um, so this is going to like stem back to like the sexual revolution and stuff because people always say like the sexual revolution and its consequences. I think there have been some, but like, so like how you just mentioned, like having a three-way with your husband and he wasn't turned on by that idea. Do you think that maybe not so much like the acceptance of people's like sexual orientations and stuff, but do you think that it's maybe detracted from some of those traditional values that I would argue most people used to hold, because like I, there was one point where like a three way would be like completely unheard of. Now it's very commonplace, like all the time it's happening. I won't say it's distracted. Um, you know, people have their ideals and their their 
um, beliefs and everything like that. And I, I will always support somebody's belief, but not when it affects me, mm. you know? And yeah. so this was, you know, for me, my belief was like, yeah, I can do this and it's not going to decrease any of my feelings or my, you know, rock steady, what they call primary partnership of this relationship. Um, for me, it wouldn't. And I don't know like what his belief system was around that. Um, that's why I didn't get remarried ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's the thing. It's like, if somebody wants to date me, I come right out and say, look, first of all, don't pigeonhole me as to who I like having sex with. Cause I, I'm a trisexual. I'll try anything sexual. So (laughs) it's true. It's true because it's so amazing. There are so many amazing experiences to have that. And then that's a whole thing around fantasy. Like I'm a firm believer, try a fantasy as long as it's legal and consensual. Okay. Those are the two major things, legal and consensual Mm -hmm. and see if you like it. It might not always work, but then again, it might work too. So, so this is a whole thing. So if it involves somebody else, obviously, like I said, the legal consensual thing, and if it's consensual with them and stuff, see, see if you like it, you know, if you want to try public sex, go try it. I mean, yeah, there's some parameters around it and just stuff. Go to a park, or, dude. Go to town. Go. Well, you yeah. know, go, go, yeah. Well, I stopped. Sky's the limit. Go to a police department. Just right out yeah. front of this, the front door. If you wear a long enough skirt and stay really close, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Kim, have you had sex outside of a police station? Or not so much inside a police station, but on a very busy street, yes. And also, too, Whoa. if you're going to be in a car, okay, the best place. Okay, here's you, here you go. For those of you that might want to try this little fantasy, get ready. Ready, okay. Clay? You and me. Okay. Go to a place that does auto repair and go into an empty spot, all right? Always, always back in with a wall behind you because that's one place that you don't have to keep out on the lookout because you want to be looking ahead and on the sides like if there's any car or people or stuff like that now i know the days have changed a lot because of security cameras but who's to say the person watching the security camera isn't like rubbing one out when they see you getting busy All right, yeah, that happens a lot. So this is the thing. So you want to be really wait. What do you What do you mean that happens a lot? What you just described, <laughs> I would argue, has been a handful of times. Kim, you Watch need to elaborate. No, what have you done? Cameras? What have you done, Kim? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I've done. I know, I've done that a few times. Of just oh make sure my god! You know what works really great? You know those loading docks that go down so you can have the you know eighteen wheeler pull up on an even level. Oh, yeah, park yeah. in one of those, dude, because it's higher than your car usually. <laughs> People really don't know that you're parked down there. You back down it so that you've got really like there's nothing kind of above you. You just really see right in front of you. They will have no idea that there is a car parked there. Unless maybe there's a security camera. And then if the cops come, you're like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just living out a fantasy of mine. Oops, I won't do it again. And they'll let you go. And then the cops, like, mine too, hands behind your back. Yeah, well. Every single, every single episode, we always say, this is a podcast for adults. But to you high school students that ignore that, this is a gold mine for you. Totally. Because your parents are good. If I would have known this stuff in high school... I know exactly. What would you have done with that? What would you have done with that info, dude? Just nothing, probably. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, just done anything with that. Awkward moments, perhaps. You know. So yeah. So one time, actually, with the smut hound, we went 
to a place in Boston, kind of like not really public, but a little bit maybe. So we were in the car, backed up like that. And I was just telling them, oh, so what we were doing is kind of sitting next to each other, having a good time with ourselves while the other person was watching, which is pretty hot, you know. So (laughs) So I was just saying how, you know, we've been doing this so long, like all different stuff, and we've never been caught. Well, what happens? Cop car pulls up. Bam, blinding light in the car. It's like, oh shit. So, you know, kind of like fumble your jeans and fumble your skirt or whatever like this. So they're like this, a cop comes by and he's like, hey, and we're like, hi. <laughs> and he's like, um, just want to see what you were doing. And he's like, you know, and he goes, okay, ID. So they ID him, right? And stuff. And I'm thinking, I hope he IDs me, you know, because it's all about equality and shit like that. So then he IDs me. Well, we lived in two different neighborhoods that were like this far apart. And where were we doing this? Like in the middle. So I said, yeah, he lives there. I live there. We kind of like meet in the middle and have fun, you know? And then the cops like, all right. He Ma'am, goes, that's my husband. Yeah, right, right. It's not my husband. Thank God, because the names didn't match, you know? So he goes, you were doing a very private thing in a very public place. And we're like, okay, sorry, we're not going to do it again. Right. And then he takes off and we're sitting there and I'm like, well, you know, we could keep going. He didn't say stop. So, yeah. So he just said, I, he just narrated he, what we were doing. That's it. And he could have said, you know, let, let me see you leave or something. And then he said, and so what the line between us became was we were doing a very, um, a, a very private thing in a very pubic place. <laughs> you just don't know how to behave. Public, you know. So, yeah, so, I mean, that's fine and, and stuff. So, that's, <laughs> you know, I'm a firm believer in that. What I also did do at, with my store, being a firm believer in living a fantasy, was that I had, so around th- in three months, I had six different customers that were not together. This is at different times, asked me the same question. And they all said, this is in 1999, they all said, you know, it's always been my fantasy to see me having sex up on the big screen. And you can't exactly go to your local movie theater and say, you know, hey, here, can you put this up here? So I had been producing porno shows at my local movie theater, independent theater, still in business. I totally love it. The Coolidge Corner Theater in Coolidge Corner, Brookline, Massachusetts, which was where my store was. So I knew that they were cool with having porno there. So I thought, I could make this happen. So I put a call out for video. Now, remember, this was 99, so it was mostly on VHS, or it was all on VHS. (laughs) Right, kids. So on VHS, so people gave me tapes, and they knew that I wouldn't copy them and sell them because I just would never do something like that. I have an extremely high rate of confidentiality because it's nobody's business, whatever you like, whatever you buy, whatever you do, nobody's business. Anyway, so I put the videos together and I thought it would be such a one-off that I scheduled it for leap year night 2000, February 29th, 2000, one show. And what I did was after the show, I destroyed the video so people didn't have to worry about a copy of it being around and I gave them back their videos, obviously. So it was only me and my editor, this woman that had been a good friend of mine who was is a high-tech editor, um, that put the video together. Nobody saw it before. So I go to it. It sells out like that, 600 seats. So I'm like, 
oh, maybe I'm on to something. And then what everybody had thought, it would be like an hour and a half of fucking. And that was the least amount of videos that I got. They were artistic. They were clever. There were comedies. There was, it was just all different. It was whatever you think is sexy. So what happened was the following year, I got a whole bunch of submissions because people realized, oh, I could, you know, kind of film almost anything um, and you know that I thought was sexy so I had so many of them so then after the second year I get a call from HBO and they're like we hear you do this film night and we want to do a piece for HBO's Real Sex which is a really popular show back in the day mm-hmm. and it runs 12, uh, 10 to 12 minutes a segment so I did a whole show just for HBO and then they followed some people that were making videos because again, with confidentiality, I didn't want people in the theater to think that they were going to wind up on HBO. Oh, I'm looking at a porno movie. So all the people in the audience knew they were in it, blah, blah, blah and stuff. What happened was they, they did it one night and it was great and the success and everything. And then like, I didn't hear from them and I'm like, okay, what's going on? And they're like, uh, it got green lighted for a one hour feature on HBO. So wow. 42 minutes, which is considered broadcast hour. So it became a show. So we did the whole thing again, and but with different people added. And then they also gave me some videos that they had received to be part of real sex, but they were too short. Like there wasn't enough for a segment there. And they let me edit these videos the same way I would have edited them for my movie night. So it was really neat. So they were definitely part of it and stuff. So that all got incorporated and it became a one hour feature called real sex presents porn 101 extra credit. Unfortunately, you can't see that anymore um, because the HBO has done away with a lot of sex stuff. Um, I don't, I've tried to find it and it's kind of tricky because they really own their property a lot. So if somebody can find it, go for it. Okay, now this is what happened. So it aired on HBO for about uh, 10 years. So I would get calls and emails and texts from friends like, uh, I was watching HBO the other night. I'm like, I know where you're going with this. And they're like, you never told me. I'm like, well, you know. I don't have to tell you everything. Right. So what happened? Okay. So this is a thing. This is a thing I have going on. Okay. Other than being a hardcore motorcycle rider, brake, squeeze, and twist. All right. That's so I don't Okay. You okay. When I, Look at those tattoos. Badass biker tats. And then another tat I have is the Red Sox. All right, so I'm a hardcore Red Sox fan. Those are the three years I saw them win. We beat L.A. in 2018, but I live in L.A. now, so then L.A. won in 2020, so I put that. So that's my little World Series story there. Anyway, so I'm a hardcore Red Sox fan, still am, and the Red Sox were playing the Yankees at Fenway Park. This was 2000-something. I hadn't been to Fenway all year. Red Sox Yankees tickets are hella expensive. And I'm like, gotta go, gotta go. So it's when Craigslist had their personals. So I type into Craigslist, we'll trade sex for Red Sox Yankees tickets. Next line. We all know the Yankees suck, but good news for you. So I get a guy to respond. I meet him at a hotel. He puts the TV on. We get talking. Where are you from? He said, New Jersey. I said, what exit? Which is a New Jersey joke and stuff. And we get talking. And it turns out the town that I was born in. I'm like, what are the odds? Right. And then we sit down on the bed. What comes up? My fucking HBO feature on the TV. And I'm like, 
And he looks so at me and he goes, oh my God, that's you. I'm like, I know. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> what are the odds? Did I hit the lottery like that? I don't know. So that's that's the big belief in living your fantasy and stuff. According to AOL Jobs, 1992, you opened a 225 square foot office in Brookline. And the first year's earnings were 50000 well, I opened November 93 and it was 50,000 between November and December. Oh, wow. Cuz I was oh, going to yeah. ask if there was ever any fear when you started when you took this jump cuz I know you kept your Harvard time, your Harvard job part-time. Sure. For was about that, six months after. Was that out of fear of getting off the ground with this? Yeah. Yeah, no? yeah, 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 yeah. Like anytime you do a new adventure and you have the cushion of Mother Harvard as we called it, which were, you know, benefits and a whole bunch of things, I didn't want to just leave that to start a store. So I went to part time, seventeen and a half hours, which is full time benefits and stuff. And I actually worked at the medical school after that. Uh well during that time. So I worked at the med school. I ran a lab between um no between that was like maybe October 93. And then in June of 94, my store was just taking a lot of my time and it was obviously becoming successful. So I left Harvard then. So, yep. That's what I did then. And you were, you were open for 12 years, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. December. And 05. your, your, your highest year was in 04. Yes. 1.6 million. 1.6 million out of, uh, less well in in i was upstairs in one office and then exactly a year later i moved into the office next door so that was only like 600 square feet total and there i it grossed it like it was almost a hundred thousand more every year i mean it was even more than that actually and then in oh three i moved downstairs off the parking lot which is also adjacent to the coolidge corner theater um so i was there for two years and that's when you know that's when there was another big jump because i had more room basically do you think these do you think the jumps in revenue were a product of more your hard work or the environment of the country changing oh that's a really good question i would say both um because there had been no other store like mine still uh, that was, you know, female and couples friendly. That's what I always would say and always welcoming to everybody. Um, so that was a big part of it is there weren't, there wasn't a whole lot of competition then. There is now because, drumroll please, the demographics of the typical sex toy buyer has shifted immensely to women. And this did not happen when I opened my store. I mean, the packaging, you'd have naked chicks on the package of a vibrator. Why? Because it would appeal to men to buy it to bring home to their women. So that was the big shift is that when women became more and more of the buying demographic, which had started happening around 2000, um, the packaging became much more neutral as it is today for a majority of things. Uh, and so that was the big shift. So I think that that was, uh, like I said, a big reason why people came to my store because you know, and things, the way I would market things and sell things, which is really amazing and not enough stores do it this way, is I would just have one item of the product out. So if it was a vibrator or a dildo, it was out. So you could touch and feel it and try it. And this is the Whoa, strength. Whoa, try it's, it in the store. Try it with your hands. It's <laughs> oh, a little Jacob. boring. <laughs> well, does, no, no, talking about being sex positive and adventurous, I like know. why not right there in the well, store? I know, I know. So what it is, is you'd be like, oh, I really like this. Then we would go in the back and get you that one item. So it was basically like a high-end That's where you try store. it. 
right? Like, because the shoe stores, you know, you can go to Payless, which isn't there anymore, but, you know, and there's like a ton of shoes to pick out or or whatever, TJ at Max or whatever. So that, and so, but mine, it would like, you would choose this item. I'd go out in the back and I would have your single item. So that's how I would market. So my store was very different than other stores for sure. So was it mostly like men coming in buying gifts for their girlfriends or wives or whatever? Um, it was mostly women, actually, because they found a comfortable place. But there were plenty of guys that said, oh, I'm so glad you're here because it's, I don't like going to those sleazy stores either. So what was like the demographic shift between then when you first opened versus now? Where like everybody is into everything. Oh, well, now everybody's into everything. And the shift, I'm just looking for a picture of my store that I had. Oh, that's here. okay. By the way, I've been muted for like the past seven minutes and I just found out. <laughs> i was like i was like everyone's okay. talking over me this isn't a good time i said like four things none of it came out so yeah it'll be one of those <laughs> moments yes. yeah okay, what I, yeah. dude i'm on the decline for sure when i'm 30 it's done it's done, i'll dude. tell you i'll tell you so yeah so the demographics i mean i mean the demographics have totally blown out of the water uh just because you know sex toys are so much more accessible to everybody obviously the internet's impacted that immensely uh the brick and mortar stores though however are doing really well i mean stores are still opening up new products are being made i mean it's really something i mean i I think what the big shift has been well there's two shifts actually one of them is the safety of the material of what you put in your body. So yeah. that's not only sto- um, toys and stuff, but it's also lubricants. I mean, so many lubricants have come out that, you know, all natural, all organic. No, you know, I can just go down the list, blah, 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 and things. So that, so there's a lot of companies that, you know, women have started to make lubricants, which is a whole nother podcast and stuff so the lubricants have changed significantly and the other thing that's changed significantly significantly in the years that i've been in is the technology around the toys it makes my head spin i mean between like app control so you can control something from around the world to there's there's a a a line of toys that can um pair up with webcamming sites so you can give somebody that you're camming a, a code to run the product that you're using while you're camming with this person. Of course, that's a major revenue generator for anybody who's camming. Because imagine, you know, I mean, that's why strip joints aren't doing that great anymore. I mean, if anybody's been impacted by obviously COVID, but the technology, it's definitely strip joints because, hey, I can do anything I want watching Susie Q from Peoria, you know, on on OnlyFans, Chatterbait, my, my free cams, I mean, you can just name them and stuff. So camming has really taken over a majority of the industry when it comes to actual contact, you know, so that's been a pretty interesting shift. That's not so much my wheelhouse. It's more the toys. Since you, since you do toy reviews exclusively, mm-hmm. I'm interested to get your take on I would say probably two-year trend, maybe two years ago. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I found out about it two years ago. The stylish toys, like the the necklace. That is oh, toy, yeah. Right? Yeah. The, the toys that are a, an accessory that you can wear incognito. Right. What's your right. take on that, that movement? 
I think it's great because what it is is it's mainstreaming products and taking the taboo out of like, hey, I got my sex toy on, you know? But don't you think that it could still be like, it's still a sensitive topic though, right? Like obviously we're in an environment where people are mostly sex positive, but I mean, people could still want that to be held in a private environment, you know, and maybe not like flaunted in public. And good for them. That's totally, that's totally fine. Like if they want to do that, you know, um, first of all, when, you know, it's, it's the crave and uh, California exotic novelties also has one like that. It looks like a giant nail and you'd never guess that it was a vibrator. Well, the person wearing it knows it's a vibrator, but they don't necessarily have to be going, look, it's my vibrator. This is my vibrator, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, it's up to them. I mean, you take personal responsibility whenever you wear your Rolex watch, right? And stuff. So it's just kind of, like I say, taking personal responsibility with what you're wearing. And if it happens to be a sex toy, I mean, what I would do, I think even maybe I did this a few times at Harvard. There's these nipple clamps that are called tweezer clamps that look like tweezers. I think with little black Clay clamps. has some of those. Clay, show right. your show your nipple clamps. I don't think you have them on now yes. because your shirt's so tight. I would. Yeah, notice. that's for the pod. That's for the Patreon. <laughs> oh, great. Okay, great, great. Excellent. They're in the drawer, right over there. Uh, oh, okay. I'll let you get them next time. So the tweezer clamps are really awesome because they're really adjustable and they fit really well. So I would wear the tweezer clamps as a necklace, like this, right? Because it crosses. It looks. It's a really nice necklace. So I get people to go, "Oh, nice necklace." I'm like, "Thanks." And then you get people going. <laughs> Nice. I know what those are. And they would know what they were. Hmm. So, yeah. So, that was really fun to have kind of that as a barometer, you You, know. You have to excuse Jake. Jake is a closeted right-wing extremist. He just doesn't say it out loud. Whoa. (laughs) I actually have. Listen. Okay. My family, if you're listening, please, you know, earmuffs real quick. I have a variety of sex toys in that drawer right there. Oh, I do too. And I would no, I, those no, no, necklaces no. are sweet. <laughs> no, I, I have sex toys too. I'm all about exploring your sexuality and stuff, but I just don't That's think it. you should make it other people's business is all. That, well, no. Well, this is the whole thing is that I'm all for like, you can be as private as you want. You know, I'm not like, oh, let's go wave our dildos in public or anything. You know, it's like you can be as private as you want. And I totally respect that. I mean, that was a whole big thing when I was opening the store in Boston. People were like, oh, they're so conservative there. That's never going to work. I said, that's why I need to be there, A. And what you learn really quickly when you're in the sex toy industry is the places that are the red states, that's where you sell the most too. I'm not kidding on this. That's where the freaks are. That's it. Because what I say- But those are also the people that keep it private. They They stay freaky and private. Exactly. I said, it depends on how tight you pull the bedroom door. And that's it. And that's, I swear that that's the thing. And so, so like when I, I find this really odd, not odd, but you know, when I go to business meetings and stuff and people find out what I do, they're all like this. It's like, I'm not going to ask you about your sex life. That's none of my fucking business. If you want to ask me about something pertaining to your sex life, go right ahead. I can listen. And if you ask for whatever, you know, and stuff like this, it's none of my business to ask you of your about your stuff setting yeah. other people's feelings to the side really quick uh with privacy concerns let's talk about some of the the health benefits right because there's got to be there's they there are scientifically proven health benefits absolutely to being sexually active absolutely i mean a lot of it is your attitude and your outlook and things like that when you have a healthy sex life you tend to be a happier person i mean that's definitely been proven 
and things. And that's anybody, you know, um, and they, and you just kind of get an aura about you um, when you're a slut like me. Exactly. Exactly. Because, and that's, you know, it's funny because not that everybody that works in the business is by any means, you know, and not to do that, but there's so many people that, you know, come into our industry and they're like, oh my God, this is like nothing else I've ever sold before or anything like this. And you tend not to leave because, I mean, I can say fuck at any of my business meetings. I can be like, you know, oh, that's a shitty product, you know, and stuff like that. And you can say it and nobody gets pissed or rankled or anything because it's like, okay, so you can use this when you're fucking and stuff. It's part of our world. And I got, I had gotten my real estate license about five years ago, which was really a super interesting process and stuff. I'd be in a real estate meeting and I'd go, these are not my people. So I yeah. didn't stay in it that long because I just didn't, I couldn't be myself. And this is why I've been in the business 30 years because I, it's, it's like home to me. And, and that's, and like I said, I've got a crazy passion about it because there's never a dull moment in this business never a dull moment. I mean, I can't, I, you know, I'll get people that come up to me and they go, Oh, I have a question. You've probably heard it before. I say, yeah, but not from you. So it's a new question. And you see them like, Oh, okay. And they can ask me something that I've answered a thousand times before, but it's a new question because it's from them. So that's like really important to me. So it's just to, to have that gift and have that, um, uh, have that opportunity to talk to people like that is really something. So I wanted to show too, what's behind me. So I was actually curious a, about that. I was wondering if those yeah. are part of the, sh your, uh, your screen performance. Right. Screenplay. No, actually they go way back from that. That one, as you can see. And, all right. See that it's all tricked out with giant glitter. screen. Right. So what those are is those are the posters that were in the poster case of the last porno theater in Boston, the Pilgrim Theater. And I got those the night it closed, which was, I think it was 97. It was Halloween night, 1997. And I got those. And I thought they, they didn't know who I was there, you know, that I'd had the sex toy store and everything like that. And I'm thinking, if you ever knew who you were selling them to right now, you know, so I'm very proud of those posters because there, you know, there was a time that there were local movie theaters and porno theaters and now there aren't, or there's very few. I'll take that. There's very few. And, uh, and I think that they served a really almost kind of like secret brotherhood, um, because you could go to a public place and be sexual and, and then go home and be with your wife and kids. I was, I was curious, um, what was it like, so you're obviously extremely sex positive, so what was mm -hmm. it like having somebody as eclectic as you being in an environment where just sex was still somewhat of like a niche topic? I would say like maybe in like the past like 10 years, maybe it's picked up a lot of traction in terms of that. I mean, maybe even before that, but I just, there seems to have been like a spike in the past decade at least about um it's almost like a fucking renewed sexual revolution it's like what was it like for somebody as eclectic as you being in an environment where it was maybe still a little bit niche um i'm just trying to think i mean i um 
I've always been myself. I mean, not to revert it to me, but I've always been myself and comfortable. So let's say looking at my Harvard years, which was 88 to 90, technically 94, you know, when people found out, and it was mostly women coworkers, um, when they found out that I was comfortable around this, they'd be like, can we go buy a vibrator? I'd be like, okay. You know, that type of thing. Yeah, like really hush-hush about everything. Yeah. Totally, totally. And that was the thing is that we would go, you know, I'd take, they all knew me at the stores because I would be there and I'd talk in normal voice, vo- uh, voice tones and stuff. And so we'd go in and I'd be like, okay, this is the difference between this, 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 and this, you know, because I knew that stuff. And they're like, let's just get one and leave. And I'm like, you want to get something that you like. And they're like, I don't care which, which one do you like? I'm like, well, I like this one. They're like, let's just get that one. I'm like, uh, you know, like, because I want them to get something that they like. And this is something to kind of put it in the present also, is that when you're going to buy a sex toy, get what appeals to you visually, because that's your body saying, oh, I like this. Because if you don't like what it looks like, the color, the size, what it does, you're not going to use it. And don't look at the packaging. This is a whole thing. I mean, packaging, believe me, is gorgeous and amazing and everything like that. You're not going to be using the packaging. You're going to be using the toy. That's what so you think, Kim. Huh? That's what you think. Here, let me ask you. We're trendsetters. We we're aim for the, the sky. We use I the package. Know, it's like, this is we're too like, difficult to have sex with, okay? I'm just saying. We're like, no, this we're like primitive good. ancient hunters. We use every part of the animal, Kim. Where are we going to store it? we got to store it in the package. Are you supposed to take it out of the package? I thought it was just like that. That was the package. I thought that was the toy. Just leave it in the package. Now you tell me. So I have a I have a user submitted question. You um, do from from definitely not from Clay. It's a question from Jake. That's the name that's on there. It says definitely no. not from Clay has definitely a question that Jake has. That's the whole name. Great. Is the G spot real? Oh yeah, for sure. Huh. So the G spot. As if it never existed before, was discovered by Dr. Ernst Grafenberg, a German doctor who discovered it in 1944, as if it never existed before. Um, and what it is, is it's the paraurethral sponge. So the paraurethral sponge, I'm just looking at what I usually use for a little bit of She's like, she's like, oh, I, just, I keep one around. She's like, I, I have a bottle around what, somewhere. This is what it looks like. Let me get in this drawer right here. This one right here was, was my sister's. This is my, my model vagina. Right, huh? I keep that damn urethral sponge around here. I do. Boomer, I do. seek. I use a vulva puppet, and I've got it way up there. I don't. Boomer's actually it. trained to sniff those out. Go get it, buddy. Go get it. <laughs> so what it is is it's so the it's called it's it's okay. So the G spot area is the paraurethral sponge. So what the paraurethral sponge is? It's spongy tissue just like a penis, right? Spongy tissue. And upon stimulation of the spongy tissue, which is the G-spot area, which is on the top of the vagina. So if you go around the vaginal barrel, as we call it, three quarters of the way, when you go on the top, you're going to feel a spot like the like a bunny nose. That's the urethral opening, right? So that's the hole through which a vulva owner, as you're saying now, urinates, right? So around that area, when you stimulate that area, it gets congested. Another medical term for it. It gets congested. So what it is, is that paraurethral sponge, break down that word, paraurethral. So it's a sponge that goes around the urethra. It builds up with this watery fluid, right? Why does it do that? All sex 
is based on reproduction, except for the pleasure of the clitoris, bing, which is true. So it builds up with this fluid. Why? So that when you're fucking for re- procreation, right? Beep! Exactly. The, the spongy tissue protects the urethra from getting beat up by that pesky penis. Makes so, that a yeah, t-shirt. So that's what it does. It's built It's to protect the urethra, right? Because that's why when people have a lot of sex, right, without taking breaks and stuff in between, the sponge doesn't get to build up. That's how women get a lot of urinary tract infections because the urethra has been beat up like this. So now with a lot of women with stimulation in the G-spot, they can ejaculate. This is something that is never taught. It's never even taught to gynecologists. Don't get me started there. So it's, it's <laughs> you got a college or in school, like, all right, this is the I, session where we teach you how to make a girl come. Don't don't get me started on that. I've demonstrated it. I have personally demonstrated it because I have no shame in my game. Oh my god! You said not right? a gynecologist. Gynecologist hater. This one quick. Right? This one. I'm like, okay, and so he goes. I got to look at it this close. Like, dude, you're gonna call it anyway. So I should they were like this because they don't get taught of a vulva in action. All right. It's like, okay, let's do our exam. They never get taught of one in action, right? So they were like like this, right? And I had a towel, right? So you know they could see on towel, blah blah. So I stand up afterwards and one so I'm holding the towel here, and the, the gynecologist he goes, Are you sure that wasn't urine? It's not urine because it's built up in the spongy tissue, which is water. Otherwise, it would be built up in the kidneys, right? And bladder. So I'm holding it there and it's not yellow. I'm holding it there. He goes, are you sure this isn't urine? I said, and I'm like two, a foot and a half away from him. I said, if it was urine, you would smell it and it would be yellow. And he's like looking like this. Like he can't believe it. He can't believe it. (laughs) I said, actually, I'll show you again. Because like once it gets started, so I show them again and they were just dumbfounded. They were like, I never believed in it. And now I do gynecologist. So then afterwards, that same one that didn't like with the towel thing, he looks at me, goes, how can I get my wife to, I said, Uh. I'm a medical professional. I'm a medical professional and this is a scientific breakthrough, but how do I make my wife do that? No. His question was, how do I make my wife be so comfortable? Oh, PJs. That's on you, exactly. buddy. And I was like, you know. <sighs> the comfort so, yeah. of your partner but is that's your job. all about the G-spot. Yes, it exists. Um, the female ejaculation thing. Some women can control it. Some women can't. And that was the thing with my one gynecologist I went to. I said, oh, what do they teach you about female ejaculation? She goes, absolutely nothing. She goes, in fact, I had a patient the other day that said that she would wet the bed every time she had sex. So I prescribed her incontinence pills. Oh, no. And I'm like. Did you ask for a sample? Because doctors hate it when you call them on their shit, right? So she was like, no. I said, look, I demonstrated. I'm more than happy to come here before office hours and show the process. And she's like, no, that's okay. So then I'm like, wait, you offered, you offered, wait, no, surely, surely, surely you didn't, surely you didn't offer to masturbate in front of your gynecologist. 
Well, it's yes and no, it's masturbation. First of all, because I'm showing it, so I'm not turned on by showing it to them. Are you sure? Um, I'm more like, <laughs> You're sure. I mean, it's like teaching breastfeeding, although that might not be the best analogy, you know, that type of thing. But it's just really, it was, no, what I did, like with those gynecologists that I showed that was during a medical conference and things like that, is I pumped up the, I pumped up the volume by myself before. So I was ready to go when I saw them. Because if I was going to give them the pussy show, they should have had their money out. Yeah, that's for the Patreon. That's for the Patreon. I want to be honest with you, though. I didn't know, like, where the scope of a gynecologist, like, practices lied. I, I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't. Ladies, I'm, I'm, I'm not a woman, so I can't speak on it. But I'm going to speak on it, right? That <laughs> if your gynecologist, if your gynecologist is performing these acts on you. They're not. Well, no, they just, pro- they just do exams. So that's the, that's. I'm just, right. I just no, maybe like that, can, that's a hot take. Right. It's also why the major the overwhelming majority of gynecologists now are women. I actually was having this conversation the other day with somebody about why they're uncomfortable to have a male gynecologist in the room. I think I understand that though. Right, right. And so that's it. That's it. And that so that's been a big shift. And I've been part of medical community, medical organizations like a member. And so one uh, older white male gynecologist was up on the podium and he said, I'm what you call a gynosaur. <laughs> a gynosaur. <laughs> that guy, that guy pleases his wife. It's, well, yeah. I mean, that. do you know, I mean, that's work and not work you know so i mean this is this is a whole thing i mean that's you know that filters around with a lot of professions that have to do with you know physical health and things like that and that's why there's people that work with people around sexual stuff um sex work is sort of that but not always um there's uh i actually do surrogacy work with a with a therapist and a client because a therapist can't do the hands-on work. Um, and then the thing is, when you work with a therapist and a client, you get that communication going, which the client might not say these things to a sex therapist, but they will to somebody who's comfortable physically around sex. It's pretty fascinating. And I've worked with sex therapists. And so, you know, uh, and you kind of get a specific assignment, just kind of like whenever you work with anybody, like a golf swing, I want to improve my golf swing. So you go to somebody who knows how, knows how to do that, right? So the, the triad, because it's the client, the therapist, and me, you know, work personally, um, you know, I'll, I go back to the therapist and say, okay, this is what we did. This is what, how they did it. This is like this. And more times than not, I've had the therapist say, they've never told me that because they've been comfortable with me letting them explore what what it is they're seeking so yeah so that's that's another amazing incredibly amazing thing that i do uh that i'm proud of you know that i don't tell a whole lot of people because it takes a whole lot to explain exactly what kind of work that is um because it's not it's not therapy i'll be the first one to admit that as i said at the beginning um but you can break through so much by doing that hands-on work as opposed to sitting in someone's office on a couch and saying, read this. To wrap things up, I have a opinion question for you. Please. How big of a factor in a relationship since our attraction and sex? Uh, it depends on where you want to put that. And it's not throwing the question back to you is 
um, I've always been able to separate sex and well, not a well attraction. I mean, this is the thing is when you do sex work, people go, Oh, what if you get an ugly client? I'm like, that's not part yeah. of it. Uh, sex you know? is like sex is sex. But if you, I think if you are both physically and emotionally attracted to someone, like it makes it way better. It sure because can. it because it's less I think it's less about like the actual sex and more of like the experience you're having with this partner. But I mean like sex is sex, it's great, right? So right. I can see where you're coming from. But like there's that right. like intimacy factor of it. Now it's like a whole I, different ballgame. That's game. a major word that you just said there, intimacy. Mm -hmm. This is a big uh, uh, uh this is a, a big word. <laughs> to me it's almost bigger than the word sex, you know. I can't even spell because it. There is a connection. Right, right. There's a different <laughs> connection when you have the intimacy connection than just having mm -hmm. sex. And this is the thing with sex work. I mean, you can still have that connection with somebody or not. You know, and I mean, and I think this is what separated me a lot with your, from your typical sex worker. And it's not to disparage anybody or anything like this, but a lot of people are just in it for the money. They'll just do it for the money like this. But when I'd be with people, they're like, there's something really different about you. Because to me, it's not, I mean, the money, yeah, it's nice, but that's the, not the reason why I did that at all. It was to experience all these incredibly different things. So yeah, so that was a big part. There you have it. That's a fact. If you're having sex without in intimacy, it's shitty sex. It what are your be, um? But not necessarily. Yeah. yeah. So earlier, I was talking very briefly on um the sexual revolution and its consequences. Do you yeah. personally think that there are consequences to it? And if so, what? Um, I mean, I think the consequences would be lack of communication. Uh, and okay. the lack of acceptance from the opposite person, um, you know, I mean, you can kind of almost look at the abortion thing, you know, is that why is it that women are the ones basically being slandered and held to the fire for it? It's like, wait a minute. Uh, they got knocked up by a guy. How come that's not how come vasectomies aren't being made mandatory? You know, I mean, it. Could, so to me, I mean, to me, it's a much bigger picture around the consequences around it um, than than personal. Yeah. Than personal, you know, like sex is so loaded, as we know, that there's a lot of people that feel shame and guilt around it, which may be the result of that. But it's also like change it up. I mean, that's my personal opinion. You can live with se with sex, shame, and guilt. It's not a really happy place to be, you know, and no matter where that's come from, and this is where I do a lot of work with people, whether it's religious bringing up, whether it's abuse, this is a big one, whether it's a lover that said, you smell like rotten eggs. You know, if somebody told you that when you were 16 years old and you're 55 now, you still fucking remember it. And it will impact you. So I think that it's more of like the outside, um, not world, but the outside experiences that will be consequential as opposed to your personal one saying, I'm going to change this myself because I am sick of it. I'm, I'm sick of it. And, and I'm going to make myself a better person and I'm going to move on from this. It's a real, to me, like I say, I do a lot of work. You cannot change your past. That's behind you. Look forward only. Yeah. So this is this is a lot of the work that I do is and and it's been it. I've I, I make it all emotional now because it's such a gift. Like I said, is this is the breakthrough that I see time and time again with people. 
is that they're they're just like oh my god i i never thought i could be like this or i never thought i could go there or i never thought like this because all of these doubts have been presented to them and they believe them and this is the thing is that i'm like i i just don't I, personally, I don't accept things like that. Yeah, somebody told me something about how I smelled a long ago. I'd go, fuck you, you're out of my life, it's in my past. Yes, I was raped. It was like, I didn't figure out I was raped until like 20 years later when I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's what it was. You know, has it hindered me? No. And it was just like, oh yeah, fuck you. You know, of course I haven't seen him or whatever, but whatever. And stuff. so yeah, but it was just like, I've I've never let these things get in my way of of my happiness and feeling good about what I do and and who I am and and having sex. <laughs> yeah. So and so. I think the the communication part that you touched on is incredibly important, especially yeah. because we've transitioned into this hookup culture, which I have, you know, admittedly partaken in. I'm not the only one, but it's I mean it's still like I it always feels sort of disingenuous, right? Because you make you make validation like that so easily accessible. It's literally as easy as someone swiping and you finding out that someone finds you attractive, right? So it, it sort of takes away um, the experience of going somewhere, meeting somebody, communicating with them, and then like sort of like discovering that between you guys. And it's all done over text messages now. If you don't like what you see, you just, that person, you don't have to talk to that person ever again, you know? Exactly. So I, I think it's definitely, um, I, how do I want to put this? Well, Honestly, the word intimacy that you brought up earlier, I think that that's like a major part of it. And that might be part of what you're thinking around this, too. I think I think that people have also lost the means to communicate outside of that as well. And I think that it's because of this. It's a big it plays a big part into it, at least. I 100 percent agree with that because I went to a bar last night. Right. And. Everybody in that bar, this is why I don't like bars. I don't like clubs usually, but everybody in that bar was just in their own little cliques, just standing there in a circle and just like bobbing their heads. And it's like, dude, like I was walking up to people, I was cracking jokes, making fun of myself, just like trying to have a good time, right? But like nobody else was was trying to do that. And girls are always so surprised because they, they say that like guys are so creepy to them at bars and stuff and just say really asinine shit. And I'm just like, Dude, like the generation we live in, like what is accessible to us has enabled this just really shitty decline and just having genuine interactions with people. And it's so sad. And it's one of the biggest reasons why I don't even like going out in public anymore. Because like I feel awkward when I like I don't want to feel awkward. Like Clay can attest. I'm a very sociable person. I like having conversations and goofing around. But like nobody else does. Everybody else is like a recluse, even when you're in public. And it's so weird to see. And I just don't like being part of it. I think hookup culture is a big reason for that because like, why would you, why would you go out and like, like, why would you not just like hang out with the same three or four friends and then every once in a while you get a quick fuck off of an app, right? Like it's right. so easy. So it's just right. like, I don't know. Just, it just, stuff just doesn't just feel fun anymore. People, man. You gotta I find I know, but it's, people. it's hard though. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's hard. Right. Right. It, it's. <laughs> what are you doing with your hard? face? Is it hard? What are you doing? Yes, hard. it's hard. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Where are your friends? Where are your well, friends, Clay? Friends. Right here. Right, right, right. right <laughs> Three right. of us. Exactly, exactly. Oh. My other screen's open on my, you know, chatterbait. You can't have sex with me, Clay. Yeah, that's it. That's it. All right, uh, you can. 
Yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and you know, and to swing this back to the sex toy world, there are so many toys out there that a you don't need to use with a partner that's physically with you. They can mm-hmm. be on the other side of the globe and they're app controlled, right? Like we talked about at the original. There's tons of men's masturbation toys that do this now and swing and you know get warm and can talk to you and things oh, like that. Yeah, <laughs> not talk to you. Oh, it's talking to you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And do then, you like then, that? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that's basically. <laughs> it's true, it's dude. Perfect. It sounds like my fucking security system. Like front door. Oh look, there's one right now. <laughs> Seven sucking boats. What is that? <laughs> Riley Reed audio. What? There you go. That looks That's nothing crazy. like her. That doesn't look like Riley Reed Raid. What's her name? Right, she's Riley so Reed. she's so Just small. Close your eyes, and then she will be talking to you and using. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. You don't need That's to go great. out anymore. Kim, let me ask you. Let me ask Dude, you. Do you have a toy over there somewhere in that supply that will help me shave off Jake's mustache? Oh, here we fucking go. I really. Who need... says his mustache is that bad? Oh yeah! Whoa. Got a dope, baby! Whoa! Whoa! Let's go! You got a W finally! Finally, The only way it's coming off. The only way it's coming Whoa. off, baby. Friction. <laughs> you know what it is? Because I got mine trimmed yesterday, so it's not as luxurious as it usually. No. I got mine trimmed too. <laughs> Kim, All right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for joining us. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you want to see the video of this, it'll be on our Patreon. Kim, in closing, what do you got to promote? Let us know. Great. All social, Kim Ayers, A-I-R-S. My podcast is Sex Chat with Kim Ayers, available on all podcast platforms. I'm going to steal this one, as we talked about, and post it on mine as well, because this has been a great podcast for sure. And yeah, follow me, because it's really funny shit. Um, I also have... Let's see. I also have Patreon and I also have OnlyFans where I do sex education and I do Oh, I'm on Cameo as Naughty Grandma. Do you have a YouTube channel where you do like sex ed stuff? I do. I haven't loaded up stuff on that, but that's going to change soon. So Do this cuz I think people should be educated. I've got, I got I, I don't even think I got like Do you know what my sex education was? It was like elementary school. Dude, I was literally like 5th grade. And I got this little VHS tape of what a penis was and, like, what it did. That was my sex ed. Like, never again. I never just... Everything after that was completely tribal knowledge or Google. And that's Garden for Life. That's it. You got the same thing, Clay? Yeah. Just a little VHS. You're like, oh, boy, movie time. And it's just... It was downhill. I got, like, a VHS, and I think I found, like, an old nudie magazine in the closed-down nursing home across the street from my home. Thank you for tuning in to Let Me Ask You, the podcast. (laughs) We upload episodes every Saturday on Podcast Apple, everywhere you can find podcasts. We also have a very active YouTube. We have a Patreon, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Look us up wherever you can find us. Kim, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Kim, you have been absolutely lovely. Thank you so much. Yay, you bet. Take care. I'm gonna get off this call. Jake, I'm on my way. I'm gonna shave that mustache. I have a guard dog. He's vicious boomer. Come this here. This is the end. Come here. Boomer. Boomer. Boomer, come on. Boomer get him. sit. Boomer. Don't sit, sit for him. Yo, yo, go Don't boy. you dare, Boomer. Yes. Alright, Jake, I'll see you in a couple minutes, buddy.